the amazing Sana Coleman. I've been told no a lot in my life and I've been told, you know, you can't do something because I said so. And I'd had enough of that. Basically, it looks like if you've got an English or journalism degree, you're in. If you don't, sorry, like we just can't, you know, we can't take a risk on you. Like a F you moment mm-hmm. to the industry to go, actually, thanks for rejecting me because now I'm an editor-in-chief in magazine and editor of a best-selling book series. You can't put a front on for too long. It's like Asian culture. People don't talk about therapy because of that front you have to put on as a family and and to be seen to be doing well you're discouraged to say something like oh I've had therapy because it's seen as shameful and in fact I didn't tell my dad I actually can't remember if I have told him now well you have now I think I have (laughs) I think I have yeah welcome to Inspired By the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story and they have stories that they haven't yet told, not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Welcome back to Inspire By. Now, today's guest, I have had the pleasure of interviewing not once, not twice, but multiple times on various shows and on various stages. Now, she's someone who I'm very excited for you to all meet and hear from because she had a dream to have a career in journalism. And after being told no, that she wasn't good enough and she wouldn't be able to achieve that, she decided to defy all odds and prove everyone wrong with her first ever blog. Since then, not only has her blog succeeded, she's become the editor-in-chief of Queens and Business Magazine. She's running our best-selling book series and someone I'm grateful to call a friend and business partner. Please welcome to the show, the amazing Sana Coleman. Sana, so good to have you here. Hello, thank you for that amazing introduction. Well, you know, when you know someone as well as we know each other, it kind of feels <laughs> a bit easy. Now, this is a bit surreal for me because we have chats every day mm. on Zoom, in person. I've interviewed you on many different platforms and many different stages. So I'm kind of a bit like, what have I not already asked you? And what do our listeners, our viewers want to know about you? So that's probably my first question, Sana. What do you think our audience need to know about you to find out who is Sana Coleman? What do they need to know about me? That's a massive, massive question (laughs) to start with. I guess um, kind of giving context to the introduction that you gave what I guess we haven't spoken about in depth either is how I believe that you should take control of your own life mm-hmm. and that you can take control. So I guess I put a lot of my success and everything I've done down to this is that belief that, yes, people might tell you no, People might try and, um, you know, your friends and family might even not believe that you can do something. But if it's in your heart and you really want to do it, then there is always a way. It might not be the traditional way. It might not be, um, you know, the standard that, you know, everyone else generations past has done that route. Mm -hmm. But you can find a way. There's always a creative solution out there. Even like any tiny step you can take towards your goal will eventually get you there. And it did take me time, but that's exactly how I did it. So that's my main sort of driving force is that everything is in your control if you let it be. 
Wow. And that obviously started right at the beginning of your journey because we, when we first met for a tiny bit of context, Sana is probably my, not probably, is my only business partner who I didn't meet in business. You were just starting your business. Your blog was really successful already. And I was like, I need to work with Sana. And we were friends first. Mm. We met at parties. Our best friend was at uni with you, grew up with me. She's like, you two need to meet. So for the context for the show, Obviously, we're here to share inspiring stories. Now, mm. I love your story because you did defy all odds. You did go against what everyone told you to do. You were wanting to go into journalism, but you didn't have a journalism degree. Yeah. How did you How did you process that no? How did you process that whole like, well, this is my dream, but actually now I'm being told I can't have that? Good question. So I have a degree in fashion design. And I wasn't planning to become a journalist. But when I graduated and I looked at jobs in design, I, you know, saw how difficult it was. Um, it was very, you know, they're, they're not well treated. They're underpaid. They work really, really hard. And I could see myself kind of not being happy in that in that journey because that even started at university. So we were working in the design studio from the minute it opened, which is probably from memory, it was around 8 a.m. in the morning and it was frowned upon to ever leave. And it closed around 9 p.m. at night and anyone leaving to go home rather than to the library, which was open 24 hours, was looked down upon wow. to, the, to the point where even the students in the classroom, they also started to develop that mindset and would, you know, it'd be like, well, I have to stay. So why aren't you staying? Mm. And it was just, you know, people who would give their entire lives to the detriment of their health to design were the ones seen as the most, you know, successful, going to be something in that world. And when I was looking into the career side of things, I could see that just playing out. And I was like, that life isn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> so another sort of passion of mine was writing. And I thought maybe I can marry the two and go into journalism, but use my fashion knowledge to go into fashion journalism. Um, but when I started applying for things, even internships would tell me, sorry, you're not good enough. Sorry, you don't have the right degrees. Sorry, you have no previous experience that we can go on. And I just, I was really shocked actually, because mostly from the placements and the internships, I was like, how am I supposed to get the experience when even the places you're supposed to get the experience are saying you need experience? Yeah, it's a joke, right? It was literally a whole closed, you know, closed circuit. And it was just for people. Basically, it looks like if you've got an English or journalism degree, you're in. If you don't, sorry, like we just can't, you know, we can't take a risk on you. So it did, it did push me back. And after, you know, hundreds and hundreds of applications, it really did get me down and I felt stuck. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So how did you work out? Obviously, flash forward, you smashed it. And now actually, <laughs> I love this because it's, I'm, I can say this because I think we're enough into the video for it not to get demonetized, but it is a little bit like a FU moment mm -hmm. to the industry to go actually, thanks for rejecting me because now I'm an editor-in-chief in magazine and editor of a best-selling book series. So I love this, but flashback to that moment when you had that no, how did you come up with this creative idea to go, do you know what, this is how I'm gonna prove it to you and get the experience? Yeah, so I think this definitely comes back to the whole, I've been told no a lot in my life and I've been told, you know, you can't do something because I said so. 
And I'd had enough of that. Once I kind of left university, I was ready to not kind of take that from anyone anymore. So when I was getting that in the job applications, I was like, I've had enough of this. I've had enough. So blogging was kind of like a thing I'd heard of at the time. And I was thinking, well, no one's going to give me the chance. I I kind of accepted that no one was going to give me that chance, but it wasn't accepting the no. So I'd heard of blogging and I thought, well, I know I can write because when I have written, I've had good feedback. Even in university, I did a design degree, but there are modules where you write things. So during those modules, I was always like the star of the class, like, oh my God, son, I can write. People would line up and ask me to do their writing so that they could get a good grade in that module. They hated it. They were just there for the design, but I quite enjoyed that side as well. So I was like, well, I know I can do it. I just need to prove it. So I didn't have many writing examples because I hadn't been doing that. I've been doing design work and I'd heard of blogging. So I was like, well, how about I just start my own blog I create my own website, which will look professional when I'm, you know, applying for things and then create my own kind of experience portfolio. And so, yeah, it literally happened overnight. I (laughs) looked at which platform to be on. And I think at the time it was Blogger, which I wouldn't recommend anymore. (laughs) It was Blogger at the time. um, And I literally chose a free template and I started writing and I pressed post and it was simple I say it was simple looking back it was simple but it took hours of my time and I really you know I was watching YouTube tutorials to see how to set up the template in different colors and everything so after that I pressed publish and then since then it's just kept going and going and as I was growing it people were giving me the chances people were starting to say internships were starting to say oh okay yeah we've got like a two-week placement you can come in on and I started to get small opportunities from there Love it. And I love the fact that you didn't have the ego attached to that. You didn't get too big for your boots. Like you were like, oh, great. Now I will have the internship. It wasn't like, ha ha ha, I don't need you anymore. Like there was still an element of this is what I want. This is what I want to achieve. And you're going to help me get there. How did you know when the blog started taking off? I guess for anyone who's maybe started a blog or a YouTube channel, something like that, in the beginning, it's really scary because you're only showing your friends and family and even you know, after you've done a few videos or a few articles, you're like, okay, maybe I should share it now. Mm. And you put it on social media. Um, But I guess I started when I got good feedback from that, because I thought everyone would laugh at me and be like, what are you doing? But I started to really enjoy it. And then people who are supportive of me started to support me and encourage me to do, you know, even better and gave me ideas and how I could improve. And then as I was growing that and starting to get some, you know, internships and experience in the industry, I brought that over to my blog too, because I didn't want to let that go. It helped me get the placements, but I started to really enjoy the control I had and the creative freedom I had in my blog. So then I thought, okay, what if I treat it like a magazine and I reach out to people and I invite them to be on there, like this podcast, or, you know, I reach out to brands and collaborate with them. So I was looking at what really successful bloggers were doing, but also, you know, what the editorial industry is like. And I just started applying it. And because it was my own platform, I was able to just play around and do my own thing. And, you know, I was quite surprised that there were brands and things wanting to take part because for them it's like free publicity Mm -hmm. and blogging was just taking off at the time so there wasn't as much competition as there is today in that particular area 
saying that it wasn't the biggest brands, but I'd look locally and I'd look at small startups and things like that. And I'd be like, oh, we can help each other because, you know, we're both looking for an audience. So we, you know, combine. So I guess when other people started showing interest and wanting to be featured and all of that, it kind of showed me that I had good quality in what I was doing. Interesting. And how did you, how did you check in with those brands? Like, how did you connect with those brands? Because I know that you've worked with some of the, like some pretty big brands now. And when we go for dinner, someone's always like, hold on, let me message or we'll see if we can get a free dinner or we'll get a good table or, you know, because it's all about connections, yeah. right? Do you remember your first ever brand collaboration? Mm. And how did you get it? My first ever. Now, I just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to share a quick message with you. Now, I've been hosting these interviews with Inspired by Show for a while now, and I've been loving all of the great feedback from our listeners. And it really means a lot when you all share from listening to these episodes, watching these episodes, share your incredible feedback. And I love that you love it as much as we do. Now, my mission for the Inspired by Show is to inspire others to challenge the norm, share their story, knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable and shock horror, take the mask off and be raw and real. So so I have a favor to ask. Can you help me on this mission by sharing this episode with someone who you think needs to hear this message? Maybe there's a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know that would really benefit from hearing this inspiring story. If you could do that to help us help even more people to challenge the norm and push themselves out of their own comfort zone, then I'd really appreciate it. So if you haven't already, share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know would benefit. Now back to the episode. I reckon it was probably a beauty or fashion brand because of my background. So I started off, you know, writing about fashion. It may have been, it may have been a jewelry brand at the time. It was called Diwa. And basically you could go onto their online platform and create your own jewelry. Oh, cool. So they, they gave me a budget. I created the necklace that I wanted to make with all the stones and everything. And they, you know, sent it to me and then I did a review. I think that was my first one. It's the first one I can remember that really, really well. Um, but in terms of making the connections, it was, I had nothing to lose. I was just thinking, reach out to them, show them your blog. You know, it's good quality. Think about it from their perspective. What are they going to get from it? What can I do for them? And I believe I started just reaching out to people on social media. So I used to check Twitter. I used to check, I don't know if Instagram. Instagram, I was new on at the time. I remember I graduated from university and my sister was like on this new platform. And I was like, what's this? She was like, it's called Instagram. Let me create a profile for you. But as I was blogging and I started, you know, using Instagram and getting used to the social media side of things, I would just, I thought, well, there's this whole network out there at my fingertips because Knowing from the editorial side of things, as I was doing the placements and growing my career, I knew that it was really difficult to get in touch with brands and things because you had to go through a press contact, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas with social media, I could see that you could directly, you know, message them. So it was about engaging with their content and only reaching out if I, if I did have, like, I really connected with what, what they were doing and I wanted them on my platform because they would represent me and I would represent them. And it was just sending them messages and DMs and seeing who got back to me. And to be honest, loads of people did. So yeah, and that's here how we it are. happens. Yeah. Wow. And one thing I find fascinating is that you never doubted yourself or if you did, mm -hmm. it doesn't come across because you were always very confident that I am Sonna Coleman, 
now you're married name. And I have writers in the city, writers inspired and, you know, inspired in the city and all of this and fantastic brands. Did you ever want to create an alias? Did you ever want to be behind a brand? Because context for my question, a lot of people that we come across, obviously we mentor people in building their visibility and they're not quite there of being the face of their brand yet. Were you ever tempted to sort of hide behind a pen name or a, or a brand and not be Sana who sat here on the couch with me? Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. I think being a um, designer even and a writer, you are behind the scenes. You're not mm. like the face of something until you become big. But even if you look at big fashion designers, they come out at the end and a lot of them are super shy and they're like this and they're walking down like, thank you, thank you. They don't want to be the face. Um, so I was definitely more comfortable being behind the name of what I was doing. So you know, now you say this, I notice. So a lot of bloggers at the time would call their blog with their name and blog, you know, it have their name in it. Mm. Whereas I wanted to create a brand. And I guess it was, I was, I didn't want to put myself as the face. I wasn't comfortable to do that. I wasn't confident enough to do that. I was confident in my quality and the work that I do. But as soon as it meant, you know, the spotlights on me, I was like, absolutely not. Mm. So I did hide behind my brand name so my blog is inspired in the city so I would be you know inspired in the city on my socials and when I reach out to people and I just introduced myself as editor-in-chief but whenever I was promoting it or talking about it it wasn't me it was the brand so I definitely hid behind that for sure and what was the breaking point for you to actually stand up in your power tell your story as Sana Coleman not as the blog or inspired in the city I guess, um, to be honest, it's through Queens and Business stuff that we do together. And it was showing other women the power of being confident in what they bring to a business. It's not just the brand, it's the person behind it. And it's what makes them unique and stand out from other people. And then I reflected and looked at my own and I was like, oh, I'm doing exactly, you know, the opposite of what I'm can see works really well for other people so it wasn't until then and when I was in a community seeing other people going through that transformation and that realization that I held the mirror up and I was like okay I need to work on my own confidence and put myself forward interesting it's fascinating when you mentioned put the mirror up because so many times I believe that as mentors as coaches we often teach what we also need to hear and we also say to people, you know, get out of your own way. And every time I say something, I think, do I need to also do that? Is my unconscious mind talking to me? Yeah. Now, I know there's been lots of your story that you've unraveled slowly throughout our book series. Have you ever had something that you've not wanted to say yet? And it's taken you a while to actually open up and share something a bit more vulnerable that is part of your brand? Absolutely. I think when I first, you know, started stepping up and showing up in my business, it wasn't fully as me. I guess I was kind of like dipping my toe in, testing the waters and seeing what would happen if people would like me. Mm. And I guess that comes from, you know, like people pleasing in in the past. And if you go back to like my childhood and things, um, I grew up in Ilford, which was like an Asian, predominantly Asian community at the time. And I was about six and we moved to Surrey and it was completely white. And I remember like the first day of my new school and I was looking around and I was like, oh my God, like these don't look like the friends I had in my 
previous area I was really excited before that and then you know I saw that so I felt a little bit uncomfortable and then I was like it'll be fine it'll be fine because when you are the different one you're seeing everyone else as the same you're not noticing that you're different until other people notice you're different and it wasn't until the teacher said my name wrong in the register and and I was like, oh God, that's embarrassing. No one's ever said my name like that before. I didn't want to say anything. So I just said, yep, I'm here, miss. <laughs> but I was like, oh God, she doesn't even know how to say my name. And I started feeling different from that point. And as I went you know, through the school and I'd hear conversations the kids would have, it was completely different. Like no one was talking about their culture at home and everything, like everyone was the same. Whereas in the previous area, it was very much, you know, this is my culture at home. This is what my where my mom's from. This is what we do. This is our tradition. Whereas here, everyone was the same, and no one even spoke about it because they just knew what their you know culture was like. So that side of things, I started to people please a bit more. I started to conform a little bit more, and I I was definitely doing the same when I first stepped into my business with my face and trying to get my personality out there. I still had the fear of being different. So I wanted to act a certain way. And then I kind of, I don't know what pushed me to do this, but I guess the more you start stepping up and trying to show up as yourself, you can't put a front on for too long. It starts to become really uncomfortable and you feel inauthentic in yourself. So I actually went to therapy to, you know, talk about, what childhood influences have impacted me and why I'm, you know, afraid of certain, you know, things and how I act, why I think people are going to judge me and things like that. And that really changed everything. It completely changed my mindset. I learned where that all came from and stemmed from. And, you know, a lot of it was to do with in Asian culture, particularly, you are supposed to conform and there's actually a really it's even on memes there's a phrase um it's log kya kenge and that basically means what will people say that is a well-known phrase across asian culture yeah so if you do anything different or try to like break the molds your mom or your dad would be like oh my god what will people say and it's it's very much a case of like your family units has to present a certain way and no one wants no one wants to know the ins and outs of what's going on inside a family and they all want to present like they're you know really really doing well and their children are well behaved and all of this so I had that drummed into my head like different family homes we'd go to my mom would be like okay remember so these ones are really religious so don't wear this don't wear that like act like this act like that so I had it in my mind and then obviously through school being in a different, you know, suddenly a different kind of um, space where there weren't that many diverse people. It was all like white culture, white people. I started to conform to that. And I just started molding into all these different, you know, people depending on, you know, where I was and who I was with. So I guess that that was ingrained in me. And that's what where the fear was coming from that. What will people say? How will people judge me if I step forward in a certain way? And I unraveled all of that along with, you know, other things and eventually started to realize that I was just holding myself back from being me and being happy and that 
yes, you might go through certain things in childhood that shape you, but that again, it doesn't have to control the rest of your life. You can definitely overcome it. You're an adult now. You can you can make the decision today to to make the rest of your life happier and for you to feel free in who you are. So that's what really like changed everything for me. And I've, I have days where I still struggle, but I think in the last couple of years, I've completely transformed in how I show up in my business because of reflecting over why I was feeling those feelings in the first place. Interesting. And it's kind of like um, chicken and egg situation, if that's the right phrase. And I'll explain what I mean by that is the thing you unraveled during therapy was that you're always trying to conform and act a certain way so that you could be seen in a certain way. Yeah. Whereas actually going through therapy is seen in a certain way in its own right. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have moments of shame put on you or in self-inflicted where you're like, oh my God, I can't tell anyone I'm in therapy. Like that's not what we do. Yeah. I was I was interested in therapy for quite a few years um, just to go through things in my childhood where, you know, there was a lot of like anger issues and things from my dad in my childhood. And I could see in my relationship, you know, if my partner acted a certain way, I'd start crying and be really upset and and down about things. And he'd be really confused because it was over a small reaction. Mm. And it wasn't even to me, it was to something else, but it would put me back in that space. So from that time is when I started thinking, okay, I need to look at, you know, how this this is affecting me. But I didn't for so long. I, I I wanted to, but I had it in the back of my mind. And basically it kept coming up, you know, every few months. I'd be like, maybe I should look into therapy. I'm quite interested in therapy. But it is that stigma. One in society, which I think is becoming less of a problem now, now that people are speaking about it openly. But also, again, things like Asian culture, people don't talk about therapy. It's not really seen as because of that front you have to put on as a family and and to be seen to be doing well. You can't, you know, you're discouraged to say something like, oh, I've had therapy. And and if someone had gone through therapy, to be honest, if someone needed therapy, most likely in Asian culture, I am, you know, stereotyping here but this is the experience I have had is people will be like oh no you don't need that you don't need that it's it's fine it's fine it's fine just talk to me about it or if they do end up going through it it's like okay don't tell anyone else though and they keep it in the family and then no one else knows because it's seen as shameful and because knowing that kind of you know view on therapy I was quite nervous to tell my family um and in fact I didn't tell my dad I actually can't remember if I have told him now well you have now I think I have (laughs) I think I have yeah I have now and I wouldn't be afraid to now Mm. but I wanted to tell my mum and again I was afraid because she grew up in Pakistan and she didn't move to England until she was married and I think she was in her early 20s at the time so it was ingrained in her to believe that kind of you know way of thinking so I thought I don't want to upset her I don't want her to think oh my god why why would you need therapy you know what will people say that phrase again but she actually took it really really well and she encouraged me in fact and I think she could see why because she's been through you know what I went through we went through it together so I think that really changed my mind and showed me that what I was doing by kind of stepping out and speaking out finally 
is a good thing and it's going to help not only me but other people yeah wow and that the journey you've been on is so fascinating because you've not only gone through it privately but you've then also gone ahead and shared it publicly like on the show here mm-hmm. in conversations with us I remember when I remember when we first ever spoke about some of the experiences you had in your childhood and you broke down and that was the first time I'd ever seen you show that side yeah. and now you're what comes across as very confident in sharing that side. How have you gone even deeper now and shared more things publicly? And how have your family taken that? I think there's definitely a journey and a kind of like steps to go through with anything that you were impacted with in childhood, for example, especially in childhood. I keep bringing it back to that because I think that is what really is ingrained into people's subconscious, you know? So I think you know, if anyone's kind of got something they know was difficult in their childhood and they have an inkling that it might impact them in their adult life, the first thing is definitely accepting it yourself. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, the first step that I spoke about just now, which was being okay with taking that step and actually putting myself forward and getting in touch with someone to have therapy. So it's it's the relationship with yourself first. Then it was my family and your close friends. Like, what are they going to say? And then once you get that sort of, not everyone's going to accept it. And, you know, I feel sorry for people who are in a in a circle where people aren't accepting it and do look down upon it. But as long as you've done that first step where you feel confident in in that this is right for you and you need this to move forward, then you should be okay and you should move forward to heal yourself. But the next step is the friends and family. And then after that, once, you know, because especially if it's childhood stuff, the family might be involved or the friends might be involved. So you want to sense check and, you know, make sure you're starting the conversation small before you go big and then everyone's talking about it and you've not even healed it or thought thought about it properly because that might um v- not ruin but kind of like impact your healing process you it might bring you back down again so i i took it in stages where it was myself first then my network of people putting the feelers out again and then once i'd gone through therapy and i felt more confident i decided again like I don't, you know, I want things to be in my control. I don't want to be silenced anymore. And I want to change generational cycles that have gone on. And I'm in a position that I can because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm, you know, putting my story out and talking to people. And I realized, again, when I saw different women in my community putting their stories out, helping other people, I realized I I shouldn't be afraid of my past or ashamed of it. I should just own it and then use the lessons to teach other people, break cycles and impact more people to, you know, come out about their stories and let it go. Because it's a way of healing as well. Mm. So, you know, in the in our most Queens in Business's latest book, Embracing Me, is the first time, it's the most honest I've been. No way. The most honest I've ever been. So I actually tell the story of my childhood in there and it was quite a scary process because I had to speak to my dad for the first time and ask him if it's okay. And not only that, my dad, my dad never used to acknowledge that he was the way that he was. He would, he's the type of person who doesn't like to look back at past pain. Mm. He's very rosy eyed about the future and things like that. He doesn't like to dwell. So 
he's never kind of opened up or wanted to reflect on it before. Interesting. But I thought it was time. So I wanted to put this chapter out, but I did speak to him first. And that's the first kind of time we've we've sat together. And he, he read through my chapter and I was sat next to him. <gasps> and it was like you could hear a pin drop. It was so silent. I can't even and imagine. I felt like a child again. I felt so scared that it could go the wrong way. He could flip. He could get really angry. But luckily, I think the timing was right. I was more confident in myself. We were in a better place where he started to acknowledge what he was like when we were, we were when we were children and he was reading the story and I could see the emotion in him as well and kind of realizing for the first time and he has said this that he never realized the impact it had on us he never actually thought about that before so not only has that happened where he started to actually look at it and acknowledge it but it's then gone on a, on a ripple effect and he's spoken to my mum about it for the first time Wow! where she never used to speak about it with him because it would cause arguments. So now she's starting to feel better because I think she held a bit of, it's not resentment. It's just, you know, holding on to the past pain a little bit where if something's not been spoken about and resolved, then you've, you've got that in you still. And she had that for all these years and after put, putting my story and embracing me, they both read it. And my dad actually went to speak to my mom for the first time. And then she told me, oh my God, he came and spoke to me. And I feel so much better that, you know, we're speaking about this now. So it's healing so many people. And this is what I mean when you share your story and you start being vulnerable, the impact it can have going forwards to your own family, to other people who read the story, you might inspire someone else to mm. break their cycles so I just think that's an amazing thing to do. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I knew that you'd had the conversation with your dad because we spoke about it when we were publishing the book. You were saying, you know, I've written this thing and I want to speak to him about it. I had no idea you sat next to him mm. when he was reading it. That's amazing. I, I asked him, do you, do you want to read it with me? Or do you want to read it on your own? And he was like, I don't mind. So I was like, <gasps> okay, I'll read it with you. And I don't know why I said that, but I think I just wanted to be there in case he took it badly and I could be like, oh no, I can take that out or I can move that and all yeah. of that. You know how I said I felt like a child again? So yeah, I was like, I, I wanted imagine. to make sure nothing blew up. That's incredible. I mean, how you didn't just want to hide behind the screen. Like most people don't even want to have difficult conversations and you were literally like, I'm going to sit here and watch you read probably one of the most difficult things. Yeah. But what I find so beautiful is what I always like to call the ripple effect. Mm -hmm. Like you did it because you wanted to share your story from a place of your healing as well as his, but then it's gone on to impact him. It's gone on to impact your mum and the family. And I find that so beautiful because mm. we don't realize how much impact our story has. A lot of people in business say, tell your story, it'll help you make sales. It will help so much more. And that's why I love working with you in Queens of Business because I've seen you grow. You've seen me grow. Hell, we've seen each other cry. God knows how many times. <laughs> and it's just been a journey of development and growth. Yeah. And as one of us grows, we all grow and we're helping our clients grow as well. So flash forward to now, you obviously have Writers Inspired, which is something that Inspired is something we have yeah. massively in common. And by the way, for full disclosure, I did contact Sun and Fry. I came up with Inspired by. I was like, <laughs> I want to have this show that's called Inspired by, partially inspired by you as well, and, and inspired, writers inspired. You've obviously got inspired in the city. Mm -hmm. Who has been someone that's inspired you on this journey to craft what you now have created and live on through? I think through not just my business journey but just through life it's always been my mom because she's gone through so much and everything she's done 
basically I'm I'm doing it for me, but I'm doing it for her too, because she wasn't allowed to say. She had to keep it in. And it was because she had young kids. She didn't want to rock the boat. You know, she grew up in Asian culture, like I told you about, where people don't speak up, like especially women, they don't speak up. You're supposed to be the one who keeps the marriage together and everyone happy. And she held a lot of that in for her whole life. So I looked up to my mom, obviously, but I didn't want to replicate the life she's had. So that definitely drove me to be strong-minded, wanting to speak out about things. And yes, I had to wait for my time because I didn't do it when I was younger because again, there were consequences and things I was afraid of. But I'm so happy that, you know, I've reached a point where I'm free in myself, I'm confident in myself. And now I can do it in a respectful way that is really healing for everybody. It's not just for myself. It's not a selfish thing. It's I, I wanted everyone to benefit, everyone in my family and other people to benefit from this. So yeah, definitely my mum because I wanted to do it for both of us. Wow. And I know a lot of your, your mum's story as well because you've spoken about it privately around the fact that she had the confidence to just move to the UK out of mm-hmm. nowhere. And I think I've seen that as a friend to you. The confidence comes through you and you're always the sort of person we go, well, why not? Why don't we just ask? Like the amount of celebrities, you are just like, yeah, let's just ask them to be in our magazine. I'm like, <laughs> what? You know, you have nudged me so much to push myself and get some incredible guests on this show. And I know that you have contacted many celebrities in your time to ask for favours with your books, with magazines. Tell us a little bit about that. So... I guess, like I said before, it literally comes from, I, I'd been told one no one too many times, <laughs> where one day it was just like, I'm that's just not me anymore, and I'm going to do what I want to do and not be afraid. And once that fear was gone, and I just looked at people as people, and this is your phrase, Chloe always says, if you don't ask, you don't get. And it was that mentality. It was, mm-hmm. what's the worst that can happen? I'd been told no so many times that if another person told me no, fine, you can go in that pile. But I'm going to continue until I get yeses and I'm going to just see what happens for myself. And when you do that and you you reach out to someone on a human level, like authentically, people are, you know, nice. They'll, they'll want opportunities. If you're going to provide a high quality opportunity to someone, they're not likely to, you know, just plain say no. Even if you don't get it because that person's too big for the brand you have at the moment, you start learning, right, this is the level I'm at right now. These, are, mm-hmm. It's always the steps you can always take. Yeah. Even in my um, writing career, I didn't go straight into journalism. I actually had to go into copywriting first, but I didn't let that, you know, put me down. And that was literally sat at a desk with a clothes rail in front of me, picking out every single one and writing, um, you know, like, Wooden buttons on front, round neckline, long sleeves. So it's the description you see online when you're purchasing products. Wow. And I had to go through rails and rails every single day. But the way I saw it was I am writing for a brand in fashion. Eventually, I'll ask them, can I do some emails? Can I, you know, write bigger copy on the website? And step by step by step, I started, you know, doing more content for people I was working for and became slowly an editorial journalist. So there's always steps you can take. It was just about getting the first yes and then the next yes and that leads to the next yes. Or even the first no or the first, you know, maybe. You learn from every single one and you you 
develop your message around it and then you adjust and you're like okay that person was maybe a bit too big for me right now but you don't put them in the bin you put them on the in a little bit and you go back to them so it's always just a learning curve with whoever you're reaching out to I love this because it's so helpful for our listeners, our viewers, because so many people are either business owners, entrepreneurs, or in jobs that want connections. Mm. So my question for you, Sana, who's been the most exciting or best yes that you've got and what happened? The best yes. Well, I'm a big foodie. So one Easter, I love the lint bunnies and I wanted free lint bunnies. (laughs) I was doing an Easter roundup and they're one of the best, you know, products. And um, I just reached out. I just found the press contact and I said, I'm doing an Easter roundup, you know, mentioning lots and lots of brands. And I think Lynch should be a part of it. Instantly, they said yes. And not only did they send me like one product, I think they sent me like 10 different things. So I had so much amazing lint chocolate and I know that's a really simple answer but I love food I love chocolate and I love lint so I just remember being super excited by that one I love that were we friends then because I didn't get any of those lint bunnies and I'm a chocoholic working together this closely so yeah yeah well uh let's get that on the next magazine and who's been has there only been someone that you've really admired and you've messaged and you thought they've said yes they're probably not actually going to do it then has anyone surprised you or like gone out of their way that you didn't expect? Hmm. I guess, okay, so one connection we got through first issue of Queens in Business magazine was actually Gokwan. So this was not even my connection, but Mm. it was a connection of a, not even a friend. This so... I started working with universities because I wanted some help on my blog and I could get interns to come and train them up on my blog and they'd get placement and work experience Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be someone that does actually give someone internships and experience. So I started um, doing that and this lady at Roehampton University, she wanted to chat to me, meet up for a coffee because we lived quite close to each other to find out more about each other before she said yes. And we just kept in contact um, because we got on really well and we, you know, I could see a lot of good, you know, qualities in her and she loved my blog. So we stayed in contact. I got internships after internships. She eventually asked me to speak at the university on stages, you know, alongside like BBC and Warner Brothers and people like that. So through this contact, I learned that she um, did a paper on Gok Wan. So she works in like psychoanalysis and all of that kind of thing. And she was doing something about psychology and psychoanalysis and women and the way they view their bodies. So she did this whole paper. And then one talk that she did, Gokwan actually came and she was kind of like in an interview situation with him talking to students. So through that one meeting with her and my connection to her, I just, again, I was like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? I need a big name in this magazine. Let me reach out to my contact and see if she can just send a message and see what happens. And she had the mindset that a lot of people have where she was like, oh my God, no, I can't reach out to him. Like he's, he's going to say no. And I was like, just, just, you know, this is good for you too, because you're going to nurture that relationship that you had with him and you got on with him really well. And you learned so much from, you know, his show. So just reach out, do it for yourself as well. It's always a good thing to do. And I coached her through, you know, why it's good to nurture relationships and all of that. 
And she was like, okay, let me do it. Let me do it. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. So she reached out to his assistant who instantly said yes. And then she was super excited because she's like, oh my God, I haven't spoken to him since the whole thing. Like she had done what a lot of people do where you get the contact and then, you know, you've done whatever you need to do and then you don't speak to them again. But there's so much more that can come from connections in a relationship. And if you nurture it, the more that can come from it. So she's now had a second connection with him and he'll remember her more. And then we managed to get Gokwan in the magazine. So it was a very long-winded process where I wasn't reaching out directly, but I wanted to do it in the way, the best way possible to, to get a yes. Mm. So I managed to get two people to nurture the relationship with him. And now he's in our issue one of our magazine. Wow. And I knew obviously he was on our off cover of our magazine. He was involved in the magazine. I never knew how it came about. Mm-hmm. And I think some people expect it to be easy. They expect it to be one connection and this and the other. But it's also about picking the right people. Yeah. So what made you say yes to even considering Gokwan? Did you do research? Were you like, what about Gokwan's story? Because I find him very, very inspiring. Like mm-hmm. looking way back when, I'm like, God, look how far he's come and his life changes, his life's on everything. What what about Gokwan made you think, do you know what? He's right for Queens in Business. So you need to look at one, like you said, their story. And is it, you know, do they speak about their story? Is it going to be something they're willing to talk about? Um and I know you believe this as well, but stories can be so impactful um, as well as just giving things like tips and things they can resonate and connect with people so much better. So one, it's his vulnerability and his ability to tell a story. And then two, it just needs to align with kind of what you stand for and your values. So you might want to go after some massive names just for their name. And I have worked with people in the past like that. And it's just not a fulfilling, it's not a fulfilling, you know, project or journey for for either person because there's friction there. You're not aligning on how you want to present Mm -hmm. and how you want to collaborate. So you really need to feel their values and their mission and their vision. And does it, you know, align with the way you think and the way you want to to do things for your audience because they're going to feel that disconnect if yeah. you got someone who's completely on a separate page to you being involved even if it's a big name so I think looking at what aligns you is is the biggest tip I can give there I love that and I think you're totally right because a lot of people just want the big names especially like right now if you're listening and you're watching and you're wanting to start your own podcast you want to start your own show you want to have your own magazine your own blog it's so easy to get what I call starry-eyed where mm-hmm. you get starry-eyed syndrome and you're like, oh my God, this person wants to work with me. If their values don't align, if they are not the right person, you become associated with them, right? Yeah. And both of us have experienced that and not the most pleasant places with our magazines, with our shows, all this sort of stuff, right? I'm not going to bother, bother you all with it now. <laughs> there are some stories, that is yeah. all I will say. And it's about looking at starting now, Would knowing what we know now, would we do anything different? Mm-hmm. And that's the question I want to ask you, Sana. Knowing what you know now, would you do anything different? In terms of my entire like journey? I don't think so. Because I think me knowing what I know wouldn't have changed anything. It would be the other people I'd be like, look at your mindset. <laughs> change, like don't conform to everything. Don't think everything has to be done in a standard way. I'm quite proud that you know, after being told no so many times, I decided no more. And then I did everything in my power, found as many creative solutions as possible to get one step closer every single time. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it took me a lot longer to get to where I wanted to be, but I could see the end goal and that's what kept me motivated. And I'm just so glad that I persevered. So mm. I don't think I would change, no, anything that I did. That's incredible. One of the things that you and I both experienced fairly recently, we both went to an event where Joe Wicks was speaking on stage. Mm. And Joe Wicks, as many of you will know, is the body coach, very, very successful and made massive during COVID and also on his own Instagram and his own social channels. And he openly, very vulnerably said, if he was to try again now, he doesn't think he'd get the same success. Mm. He said openly that a lot of it was timing as well as how great he was at what he was yeah. doing. So I want to ask you that question because you mentioned earlier that it was the right time to start a blog. Yeah. If you were starting again now, do you think it would be the same result or is there anything that you'd need to do different for anyone that's maybe starting out right now? Yeah, I think that's a really good point because like I said, when I was looking at blogging and trying to get my experience in, um, in terms of reaching out to brands and getting massive brands like Ted Baker and Revlon and Lint and Hotel Chocolat, all of them V&A on my blog, it was because I tapped into a trend at the time or something that was about to become a trend. So mm-hmm. I got there early enough where I was one of the names that people could know and there wasn't so much saturation, oversaturation in that industry. So I think whenever you're looking at what's in your control, what you can do to kind of, because now nowadays with the internet and all these platforms and tools, there's so many options for you to take something into your control and create your own content and your own story and your put whatever you want out there. It's all in your hands if you want it to be. Mm. So it's finding where you need to know where your audience is going to be and what platform or tool is best right now. So for example, Things like video platforms like TikTok are consumed far more than things like blogs just for daily content purposes. So if you wanted to get your name out there and work with brands or work with bigger connections in your network, I would look at those up and coming platforms more than something that's, you know, some lots of people have already done because the competition there is going to be far bigger. So it's being brave enough to try the uncertain and un, the new mm-hmm. and stepping into that before other people. You know, you don't want to just follow the herd because then it's really hard to be heard inside the herd. So the less people in that space as possible, when you can see early adopters somewhere, have a look at it, see what what you can do with it and then try and get in there. So that's how I did it with the blogs. Just fascinate you say that because I'm always, every time I go on this show and I obviously, you're a really good friend of mine, we're business partners and I'm sat there going, how have I never learned this from you? But the amount of times that recently I'm hearing things on shows like this, so I'm interviewing people and I'm like, this is what I need to hear. Because I had mm-hmm. a really re- an interesting reflection about a week ago where I was like, I'm never an early adopter. Mm. I'm always like, not because I don't want it. I'm just like, oh, I don't know if it's for me yet. And then 10 years later, I'm like, oh, why didn't I start when everybody else did? Yeah. So I find that, find that really interesting. And that I think it's really fascinating you've said that. And also really inspiring because you were one of the early adopters mm-hmm. and it's paid off massively. Now you've gone on to create physical magazines, physical books. What's next for Sonna Coleman? Oh God, good question. Um, I think I've kind of held on to my career a lot. Um. And it's that stability side of things. It's uh, This is taking my own advice again. It's the unknown of business for me. 
And then I know when I met you, I had so many questions because you'd been in business, I think about four years at the time. Mm. And I'd always wanted to ask you, but we'd been at parties. So I didn't want to be like, hey, Chloe, I know you're having a good time, but can we talk about business? <laughs> so I know when we finally did, I was so excited. I had so many questions. Um, and I think if I hadn't have asked them, I probably still wouldn't be, you know, sat here or in magazines or doing physical books. And it was about speaking to someone who's already there, getting them them to inspire you, be encouraged by you, answer your questions if you are uncertain. Just reach out to someone. To be honest, I did that in my blogging um, life as well, where I was a young blogger and I wanted to know what the big bloggers do. So I just reached out to them. And then one of them said, yes, you can shadow me for the day. And she actually took me around like Knightsbridge and stuff in London where there were different press events um, going on in massive brands, really expensive brands. And I was her little tag along buddy for the day, just shadowing her. She had a great time teaching me and I got lots of freebies and lots of amazing (laughs) jewelry and fashion items. Um, But I could see, oh yeah, this is fun. This is what I want to do. And she answered a lot of my questions that I had. So speak to someone who's already doing it, reach out to them. People love to mentor and give you their advice and give you, you know, the lessons they've learned. And I've now forgotten the question. <laughs> <laughs> What's next for Sonic Coleman? But you, ah, you yes. it's really about taking the leap forwards in yes. your next step. And it's exactly. funny you mention the very first time you messaged me because now that I know what you've just said about, you know, not taking over no an answer, you actually sent me a message like 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 what you just said, you approached Scott Kwan and all these other people. You did the same with me. You were like, I don't want to bother you, but can we meet for coffee? And I wanted to mentor you. I was like, oh my God, yeah. And actually, mm-hmm. by the way, if anybody does ever want to, I love talking business at a party. Business is fun. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> let's talk about this. So I was so excited to meet up with you, met for coffee. And it just shows how sometimes asking that question, you never know what it's going to lead to. Mm-hmm. Because you probably had no idea that we'd not, you don't only start your business, but we'd also end up being in business together mm. with not one business, but two businesses mm-hmm. because Sana and I are also working on helping other people write their own books and mentoring on that as well. So it has been an amazing journey and you just never know what's going to come next. Exactly. So I want to leave that last bit of my uncertainty behind, which is holding on to the career because, you know, that's the most stable thing. That's the way things have always been done and how you're supposed to do your life. And I want to just step full to both feet into the business side of things because that's where I get the most happiness, the most joy, the most creative freedom. And I think I'm just ready to do that now. Oh, I'm so excited. And like, you just never know where we're going to end up. And I can't wait to be back on the show to find out how it all went <laughs> and what amazing next project is coming up. Now, Sana, we have a tradition on the show before we wrap it up where we ask all of our guests to share with us who they know that has an inspiring story that should be on our show next. So, um, I actually have two answers. Can I give two answers? You may have two answers. One of them <laughs> is obviously a non-conforming answer. So I'll give that one second. So the first one would be Maria McDowell. So she is an amazing, amazing woman. Um, she runs Lollipop Mentoring for um, middleweight black women in advertising and marketing to help them get into leadership roles. So she is helping kind of the challenge the inequity in many industries, but her specialism is within advertising and marketing. Her story is amazing. I've interviewed her so many times. She is such a good presenter, speaker, and her energy is just contagious. She's an amazing woman. So I'd love to see her on Inspired by Please. And secondly, I think you have an inspiring story. So I think one of the episodes you should, you know, get some questions in from listeners 
and or have someone else interview you. I can come on if you want to. Someone else to interview and turn the tables and hear your story as well. Oh, no way. I love that answer. Well, (laughs) listeners, viewers, you heard it here. If you would love to turn the tables on this show and maybe have the one and only Sonna Coleman interviewing me on Inspired By Show, put it in the comments. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, put it in the comments. Let us know. Give us a heaven yes in the comments. If you'd be up for turning the tables, if you're on Spotify or listening on any other audio platform like Apple, jump on our YouTube channel and vote. Put it in there because I will love to see what everyone has to say. Oh, Sonna, it's been so great having you on the show. It's been fun. It's only the beginning for what's coming up for us. Obviously, if anyone wants to catch up with us, find out what we're working on, obviously we're mentoring in not one, but two businesses at the Mm -hmm. moment. So if you are interested in finding out more, finding out more how you can learn from me and the amazing Sonna on your writing skills on Get Featured in the Media, definitely make sure you follow us and we'll make sure we put Sonna's stuff in the bio. Put it in the description, your links and all the fun stuff that will go to your blog if you want to have a nosy and have a look. And obviously, if you want Sana to mentor you on writing, you're just still doing out. all of that stuff. <laughs> so just reach out, practice what she's preaching, get asking, because if you don't ask, you don't get. So Sana, thank you so much thank for being so on much. the show. It's been amazing having you. And ladies and gents, if you have enjoyed this show, do make sure you type in the comments, share with us what the biggest golden nugget has been or what I like to call your mic drop moment from the show, what you found most inspiring. And if you're watching on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else, do make sure if you haven't already that you subscribe to the show because the bigger the show, the bigger the guests and the most inspiring stories we can have. And we'll do our best to get some of the incredible people that Sana has shared on the show. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your week and we'll see you next week. 